0: 17 book 16 the cat who came to breakfast uh you're listening i'm susan romsdorf terry
1: and i'm luke romsdorf terry this is the podcast where if the title didn't give it away we are reading every book from the cat who mystery series and we are discussing it and as already mentioned going a little bit off script this is the cat who came to breakfast and we have a very special guest on today's podcast. We do? We d- yes. It's you, Bernie. Yes. <laughs> Please join
0: us in welcoming Bernie Cardell Hello. to the podcast today.
1: Very dear friend of ours who uh was very excited to be here and we're very excited to have him. thank so you for the invitation. You're welcome. Oh, thank pleasure. you for being here. A little bit of background about this book, it was published when?
0: 1994.
1: And there is a audiobook available digitally?
0: There is, and this is one and, and this is one where you will also find the Theodore Becal uh uh, abridged versions as well.
1: And you read the audio, like, not read the audiobook, yes, you, you looked <laughs> at the... I read the, the audio
0: and at I listened cover. to the paperback. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cargo goes by ship, shipping goes by car. All great. I actually did a combination. I started listening to it on the audiobook and then I was like, I feel, I just felt like I was missing some things mm-hmm. or, you know, because I was never just sitting and listening to it. Sure. I was doing other things. So then I got the paperback. Uh, so I just did a combination of them. Interesting. Yeah, it was, no. it was, it was fun.
0: And a fun note on the paperback: Bernie has the uh, the updated paperback cover, um, whereas I have one of the original covers. So we were looking at them when we got here, and we're with comparing with the
2: embossed, uh, not embossed. Yes. What is this called? No, embossed. Yeah, embossed yeah. title. I with the it.
0: embossed title versus the flat, cu- the flat title, which so, is not as exciting. It, it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, there there is the uh, the photoshopped, uh, the click, uh, the, the click art. It's a, it looks very. The
1: aesthetic ends. of it is definitely graphic design as this person's passion. With the especially with the Siamese cat in the bottom uh, in the basket. In the yeah.
3: Versus
0: mine is this very artistic uh, this uh, amalgamation of mm. dominoes and a theater and tra- a, a comedy and tragedy mask, and then of course the paw prints that were all over the uh, that were all over the original books.
2: And then, yeah, the entire series has those yes. paw prints. Mm-hmm. The uh, but you know it's that way with all of these all of the cozy mystery books. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the old Agatha Christie covers. They're just filled with, the art is fantastic, like clues, like a scrap of paper or a burned scrap of paper (laughs) or something, and then the new ones are just kind of like... Her signature. They're
1: more plain. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Have a little bit of fun with it. That's when I, we we talked about this in the first episode, my first exposure to these books was seeing my grandmother had the entire set, and just, I I would be fascinated looking at the covers. Of these books? Of these books, yeah. Oh, wow. And the covers themselves were just so, just the design was so great, and they were just fun to look at. It was, you know picture a picture book with uh, pictures yeah this is a
2: co- this one i have is a company that did not want to spend a lot of money on a graphic <laughs> designer very clearly, this is somebody. This is like an intern did this or something. <laughs> this and then is, they had
0: them do all of the books. Which and then they had them do. <laughs> that's
2: right. Well, they're
1: not paying them in money. They're paying them in college credit. So yeah. you know. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah,
0: it used to be that I could go into a bookstore and I could automatically find these books on the shelves. Yes. Um, oh yes. And at Christmas, I actually went. You know, since I couldn't get the book from the library, I actually went into uh, a Barnes and Noble, and looked for a copy of the Cat Who Knew a Cardinal, yeah. and I. It, they did, they didn't have it, um, but I couldn't find the Lillian Jackson Brown books. I really had to look for them because you know I'm looking for, I'm I'm looking for this big white stripe with yep. these big with big red letters yes. that makes it. It's very distinctive. It's very easy to see on a shelf, and now they're all colored and colored differently. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Although interestingly, your spine cover is the same as the original cover. So. And it's also hard to read the cat who came to breakfast. Yeah,
2: it is. Well,
0: like, I'm yeah, looking versus versus. If you're scanning
2: a bookshelf, you don't. Yeah, you're, you don't you're see not going to see that. Yeah. Versus
0: well, versus the white background, big yeah. red. That's going to jump out at this you. This is yeah. what?
2: This is from the '90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the same publisher too.
0: It's yeah, it's it's just harder to read. So they've updated them, and I'm not necessarily for the
2: better. What honestly, it, the
1: the book that you pulled out when you brought your copy, it looked like a uh, the 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 Stephanie Plum author. Mm. What's her name? Janet, uh, Janet It Benavich. looked like that because it had that same kind of graphic design on the front. Oh, sure. That's what I thought. Yeah. So it's it kind of everything kind of blends together, I guess, when you're trying to cut costs. Anyway, yep. thank you. This is our review of book covers. This. week. <laughs> This is uh, the this is bookcast the book, book cover kid. cast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, that could be really fun. We should it hold would be really we fun. should hold on to that idea. That's right. We can um, describe them. We can do an entire episode on <laughs> Anna Green Gable covers alone. Um, some of them are really bad.
2: There's actually, and then any... we can do the
0: Agatha Christie covers. Yeah. So this is put a pin we in that. We will put
2: room. a pin in this. This is okay. Yeah. We have an yeah, idea. For could, especially the Agatha Christie covers. I have okay. to say, some of them were just so fabulous. Mm-hmm. Ooh, now I want to see. Yeah. We'll definitely I'll have to. You, do I'll cool. send you some samples of ones Ooh. that I love. Yes. I
1: think we have another. I I- we, have we have an idea for the first spinoff of the series. <laughs> for, Looking forward to it. For the cat who did a podcast uh, podcast Pardon. universe. <laughs> All right. All
0: right. Let's. So back to, so uh, now on with our book summary. Um, so, By,
1: we should also clarify we haven't done this in a couple episodes, but there will be spoilers for a book that is almost 30 years old. You've been warned. <laughs>
0: we did our best all right so it's summer in pickaxe and polly is off to oregon to visit her college roommate in oregon obviously um so i I was typing fast on this i'm sorry um so
1: they're going to oregon
0: the oregon coast if you want to be specific because they're talking about adding a puffin to polly's life viewing list that's right um it should be mentioned that this trip (laughs) involves birding so quill is cordially not invited um in the meantime back in pickaxe xyz enterprises is back with a brand new development pear island a triangle-shaped island in the middle of the lake between Moose County and Canada. It is known to mainland locals as Breakfast Island because that's where fishermen would stop to fry up some of their catch for breakfast. We're
1: getting close to the title already I can see. Indeed. Sure. <laughs> um,
0: island locals who know it as Providence Island because Providence delivered their ancestors safely there after ship, uh, shipwreck and to the affluent yachting club set as Grand Island. So this is the island of four names. Um, Now, thanks to XYZ, it's Pear Island with a three-story hotel, 50 rocking chairs, and the smell of fudge wafting everywhere.
2: And why do they call it Pear Island?
0: Because it's shaped like a pear. But yet... And yet, it it isn't. It isn't. It's shaped like an isosceles triangle, as a former teacher tells us, which I love.
2: It's fantastic.
0: But it was decided by someone in the XYZ... It, in, in the XYZ development team, that um, I saw Celeste triangle island didn't sound as good, and pears are sexy. Okay.
2: <laughs> pears are sexy. This is, this, okay. I have always thought that
0: this is the '90s, <laughs> and that shape would would be the thing that people would claim is sexy. Um, this is mm. also the thing when they were telling women, that, you know, are you an apple? Are you a pear? They oh, moved. Really? They'd moved on from this winter, summer. Thing? Yes, it's totally a thing. It still is a thing. What?
1: I am a spaghetti squash man. <laughs> so,
2: I'm a bass fiddle. <laughs> I like it. I
0: like it. <laughs> All right. So Quill a heads a over to, uh, for a visit to write some copy for the Quill pen, despite vehemently objecting to the development of the island. He reminisces about being taken to the island and reveling in the peace and quiet that would, that would be destroyed with the development. Now, I have to make a note here. Quill, up until this point, as far as we knew, Hated silence. Let's just remember Potato Mountain. I was going to say. Um, so clearly, Moose County has started to leak into his brain if he's now reminiscing about when things were undeveloped and quiet. Mm. Um, <laughs> he manages to spin this idea of going for uh, going to write stuff uh, to save face, and, uh, and he's writing about the other side of the island for the Moose County something- should be noted, Arch totally calls his bluff on this because Quill spent most of a dinner party at the beginning of the book complaining about how the development was going to ruin the island and Arch had to listen to this so when he turns around and says, I'm going to go write this other thing and Arch is like, Polly's gone to Oregon, hasn't she?
2: Yes. (laughs) Although that's the cover story.
0: Yes, for For why he's really there. Yes, oh. he avoids the main hotel and he goes to stay with Nick and Lori Bomba, who have realized their dream of opening a B and B on Breakfast Now, Pear Island, um, because <laughs> Nick got to, and, and doing this so meta. Nick got to quit his job at the prison. Yay! Okay. Oh, um, Laurie has long since retired from being postmistress to raise their three kids, um, who they now live on the island with, and their five cats. Um, now, unsurprisingly, <laughs> Quill is staying with them, of course, because. Um, they will let him bring the cats, but upon his arrival, he starts to wonder if staying with them might have been a mistake. It's uh, not the
2: most upscale resort.
0: It's frankly, <laughs> it's frankly described as hideous, being paneled in birch bark of all things. Ooh. But apparently, this actually keeps the bugs away.
2: Well, th- I read that. Yes.
0: Yeah, we have no, we have no reference for this. We have no. We have no scientific evidence, but that's what's claimed. Um, And after the spaciousness, by the way, of his barn, he's really not prepared for a tiny house living in one of the five, quote unquote, housekeeping cottages on the property. (laughs) Um, But Lori cooks breakfast and uh, her food is to die for. It being Moose County, however, all is not as idyllic as it seems. Mm-hmm. The resort has been plagued with issues: food poisoning in the hotel dining room, a drowning in the hotel pool, and a boat explosion uh, the day before that Quill arrives that kills the owner and uh, at the new marina, which may or may not have been an accident.
2: This is all. Wow, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, it's a lot for the opening. There's a of lot the
1: happening.
2: Just in the opening. And this brings up the the reason that Quill. Is going to the island mm-hmm. hmm. because his friend Nick Bamba, who owns the the what's it called the Domino Inn, the Domino <laughs> Inn, has called him for help
0: because the Domino Inn is not free of disasters either. Um, just before Cole's arrival, and the reason that Nick's coming out uh, and asking for him to come snoop around. Is because their front steps collapsed and caused a guest, a retired clergyman, to fall and break a rib. Oh no. Quill's um, mustache is twitching, and not just because June Halliburton, the new music teacher for Pickaxe Schools, is living next door at the Domino Inn.
2: And wears a lot of perfume. And a <laughs> lot of perfume. <laughs> so now we have four incidents.
1: Four incidents. interesting. This is all a yeah, relatively all short amount of time.
0: Like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Hmm. I mean it's it's not even Fourth of July.
2: Chiefs. So of course Quillerman's like I gotta find out what's
0: going on. Exactly.
2: The game
1: is afoot. Yes,
0: indeed it is. Now, June Halliburton is an interesting thing. Despite uh, there was some friendliness in uh, in the previous book, The Cat Who Went Into the Closet, mm-hmm. um, but should be point- but she pointed out that uh, his big burning music selection was historically inaccurate. Um, but on this adventure, <laughs> apparently, apparently June's been pursuing him because he's actively trying to avoid her. Mm. Um, <laughs> But she's been hired as the music director for the hotel and is living at the at the Domino Inn to accommodate her smoking and piano playing. Yes, in that order.
2: They even have a piano brought in. Indeed. Oh wow!
1: Remember when you can smoke in restaurants and and bars and everything, and hotels? I know it's all the same, isn't it? Really, (laughs) (laughs) it's all just kind of waft in.
0: Yeah, (laughs) remember when they used to have it? uh, I don't know if any either of you remember, but there used to be you know smoking sections on planes.
1: Yes, vaguely, vaguely.
0: And it's like really. This is an enclosed tube of metal. Where's right. the smoke going to go?
1: <laughs> At least it's not being blown in your face, I guess. I don't know.
3: Right. <laughs> no, it was oh, It's coming <laughs> over that seat.
0: Well, it was always in the back by the bathrooms where you had to go anyway. Mm. So it was totally useless but they of course didn't want to have to put it up at the front where you would have to walk through it there was no good place to put it and i'm really glad that they got rid of it moving on
3: <laughs>
0: so the island itself has been staged literally by xyz all the signs are standardized there are no lines on the pavement no motorized vehicles anywhere on the island except for emergency just horse-drawn carriages and bicycles
1: so it's an amish island
0: it's an amish island but let's also remember yep. that it also smells of fudge and horse tropics such a great combination
2: that's right. I think uh, Riker's is a, is a heady combination. Yes, oh. yes. He's so polite. He's so polite. Um, the hotel fits.
0: itself is a former <laughs> private lodge from the twenties, and it does blend nicely into the rustic landscape. Um, but with all that work, XYZ then decides to double and then triple down on the pirate myth. Uh, including calling the local settlement pirate town, which frustrates locals and irks the rich people on the other side of the island. It's Providence Village. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we are not pirates. We're not. pirates. We're not savages.
0: No, and and this becomes a a, a problem as the book goes on. Uh, this whole pirate theme that they're trying to that they're trying to encourage. Um, mm-hmm. Quill settles into his mini cottage, really, it's super tiny, Um, and immediately starts snooping, Mm -hmm. uh, connecting immediately with the hotel bartender, despite his non-alcoholic preferences. And he even attempts the hotel dining room, despite the food poisoning from the previous week. We get to see Dwight Somers again. Uh, He is the on-site hype man for the hotel, and he's doing his job very well. But he manages to clue Quill into some of XYZ's less successful ideas, like helicopter sightseeing um, and trying to get rid of anything cat-related. Don Exbridge apparently hates cats. Now, clearly, this is a sign that he will be a villain at some point, although not in this book specifically. Yes. And um, there are also
2: a lot of cats on the island. A lot, lot of feral cats, of, on, the of feral oh, cats.
0: cats on the island. Feral cats. Um, well, I'm going to say
1: in The Bed and Breakfast, there's seven cats alone, if you count. Five, and five yum yum. for the
0: Bombas. Uh, five for the Bombas, yes. Mm-hmm. Quills, two. Um, and by the way, one of the five cats is pregnant. And then, of course, they also have their own little group of feral strays. So, why somebody did not. And, this, and Mildred comments on this later why somebody didn't do. Um, a spaying program before they decided to do this, mm-hmm. um, it, no one knows. So
2: there, there, there are literally, literally cats everywhere in this book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they are just everywhere. Yeah. So, after his dinner at the hotel, Quill wanders the boardwalk and finds a very strangely high-class antique shop run by a woman with a French accent named the Noisette, where he discovers two Venetian leather masks of comedy and drama, which are the ones that are on the cover of my mm-hmm. copy of the book. Ah. Uh, he buys them, much to the surprise of the owner, who hasn't <laughs> had much customer. The her.
1: masks are not on Bernie's book, in case yeah, anyone's yeah. curious. They,
0: they are not. No. The, uh, the, uh, the owner of this store is very surprised because she hasn't had much... Custom for her client class stock, um, and she sells the massium along with a Depression glass tray. It's that green glass that's got patterns pressed into it. It was very, very popular in well, the in the '30s and '40s. Well, my mother
1: has quite a collection of that. She does. She does. Oh, is that right? oh she collect the Depre- the Depression era glass, the uh, uh, the Fiesta ware, like vintage Fiesta oh, ware. Collects yes. and also the old school rolling pins, the ceramic ones, where you could fill liquid in them, so that way it would heat. It would stay cool. It would stay cool. That's right. It would not heat. It would stay cool when you were rolling out, say, dough or When's something. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they had tons. I've never of heard of such a thing. Yeah, they're oh, pretty cool. when you we'll have to have you up at my parents' house for a barbecue and how you can that, see the selection. How does that
2: relate to this book? uh We go on tangents. He's, he's, he's
0: saying that he's. he's, <laughs> he's, well, he's trying. I'm to contributing,
2: say, like, Bernie. You, are, you absolutely are, absolutely. <laughs> he's
0: trying to say he's heard of Depressionary Glass, <laughs> which is which is a rarity. It's which it's, I had not when yes, I read the book. It's oh. the Captain America. I understood that reference. <laughs>
1: I'm contributing.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, but, so Quill keeps the, uh, the the leather masks, and he hangs them up in his cottage, and he gives the Depression-era glass tray to Laurie when he returns to the Domino Inn.
2: For their front desk. For, for,
0: yeah, for yeah, sort of her <laughs> pencils and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the next day after breakfast, Laurie recommends that uh, Quill talk to Harriet Beadle, a local who went to school on the mainland and is now back on the island serving lunch and dinners to the B&B customers, along with renting rooms to the young hotel staff.
1: Harriet Beadle and the B&B.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, He takes it under advisement, rents a bike to check out the island, uh, and past the Domino Inn, we have the Golden Curtain, which is a gate to the Grand Island Club and their exclusive estates, Mm -hmm. the most exclusive of which is the Pines. When he gets back, he ends up taking his clothes. Is there that
1: accent on the sign? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. It says, say it this way. (laughs) Yes, the the Pines.
0: Otherwise, we know you're uncouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So when he gets back, he ends up deciding to take his clothes and some soft materials to uh, a company called Vacation Helpers, uh, who will do laundry, bake a birthday cake, watch a baby, uh,
2: make a meatloaf, make a meatloaf, <laughs> anything you need, <laughs> anything They'll you do need whatever. for your vacation, to make
0: it's your vacation easier. It's a great, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. But the reason he needs to do this is because apparently June Halliburton had his cap and prior to his, his arrival um, and her heavy perfume has permeated everything. Along annoying, with the cigarette smoke. Uh, along with cigarettes, right? yes. the cigarette And everything is irritating Quill and the cats. He gives a wonderful curse at this point which is may her piano always be out of tune. <laughs>
2: oh, that's a good insult. It's a really, very good really curse.
0: great curse. <laughs> um,
2: that's very trenchant. Yes, indeed. <laughs>
0: um, Vacation Helpers also does box lunches, featuring homemade meatloaf sandwiches. Oh. Thinking the cats will love this, Quill arranges to have meatloaf mm-hmm. delivered every couple of days for him and the cats.
1: Once again, these cats eat better than we do. Nah,
0: yeah, they really do. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I
1: want a meatloaf sandwich.
0: <laughs> you'll be making that one yourself. It's not something I like. Um, uh, anyway, once he has less smelly clothes, he heads to the hotel for <laughs> dinner, only to find out that Don Expert seems to have imposed a gag rule on his employees. Hmm. Um, his attempts to learn about the guest who drowned are met with very awkward silence. Uh, we meet Arledge Harding, uh, who was the guest who broke a rib on the uh, on the Domino Inn stairs, and he has visited the island prior to its development and is much more talkative. Hmm. Harding gives Quill a kind of rundown on the family that owns the Pines, which is the Applehearts, uh, who are the founders of the Grand Island Club and the Applehearts. The Applehearts. Um, they are the snootiest of the snooty.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it
0: poses an interesting question to Quill. Both dice and dominoes are flat surfaces with pips, or the are the specks that indicate the numbers. Uh, but one is considered nice, and the other is considered naughty.
3: Hmm. Harding's
0: theory is that a domino is also a type of hood worn by priests at one point. Um, I will counter that by saying that it's also a popular romance novel disguise. So that a also domino? Makes, a domino is is the hood that you would wear to a masked ball so that no one would see your identity. Oh really? Yes. It's How also romantic.
1: it's also a chain of pizza.
0: Indeed. It's all- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that contribution. You're
2: contributing again. Yes, I am.
0: <laughs> Harding does eventually teach Quill to play dominoes. Uh, which is interesting because then Quill references having played it as a child, so mm. did he really need to learn how? I don't know. Um,
1: Brush up maybe or something. Yeah,
0: Quill finds the game dull and uh, excuses himself to go find some ice cream at Harriet's Family Cafe and the Af- to talk to the aforementioned Harriet Beetle, who it turns out used to cook at the Old Stone Mill. Oh. So connection, she knows yeah. Quill, she knows she mm-hmm. knows his history, she's, she knows what's going on. Um, she talks to him about her experience coming from the island to the mainland, uh, she went to high school there. She stayed in the mainland with the family. She often fought her classmates when they called her dumb. She has this saying that she uses every time somebody, somebody she tells about something that is um, frustrating or unjust, mm-hmm. and she simply says, made me mad. Made me mad.
2: <laughs> yeah. Made me mad.
0: <laughs> and how but, she's all... not,
2: but she's not dumb.
0: No, not at no, all. Very like mm. No, very um,
2: intelligent. No.
1: Just seems very... Uh what's just very brief or not even brief but just very to the point
0: circumspect yes circumspect circumspect. also her other big thing is how all of the pirate talk uh from the main hotel is made up lies Hmm. she also tells quill a story he's never heard about the lighthouse on the island it's government run and uh one day the keepers just disappeared the islanders were suspected of killing them even though harriet's great-grandfather was the one who discovered that the keepers were missing and reported them Um, Quill tries to suggest putting the story in the quill pen, um, but changes his mind when Harriet gets very, very upset. She's worried that people will come hunting for bones after some mainlanders from Lockmaster, it is specified, um, come hunting for pirate treasure from a map they bought in the bar and dug holes in Harriet's mother's yard. How rude. Um,
2: Only those brutes in Lockmaster would do such a thing. But, you know, they'd have these people from uh, the mainland coming over looking for pirate treasure in people's yards in people you know (laughs) anywhere on the island
0: yeah um (laughs) they were chased off by the locals with guns by the way uh and when the local sheriff tried to when they tried to report the uh the the actions of the locals to the local sheriff he laughed at them Now i'm really glad to hear that law enforcement is actually somewhat on the local side on this case because the sheriff was apparently like, really? You walked into Pirate Town and you're expecting me to do anything when you tried to, to, to dig up somebody's right. lawn?
2: And, of course, the locals hate it when you call it Pirate Town. Exactly. Mm.
1: Interesting. Oh, there's a lot of layers to this one already. There's I like hard. it. I yeah. like it.
0: Um, a, a storm rolls through that night, which is also bad luck for any summer resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and As we've learned
1: from previous books.
0: Yes. Quill gets to learn why his cabin comes with earplugs.
1: Oh, no. <laughs>
0: because during storms, the foghorn can be heard for 30 miles out on the lake, and it's less than two miles from Quill's window. It's a
2: great scene when it makes him up. Uh, oh, you know.
0: But the cats are unperturbed. They're just going of course like, they oh, are. That's nice.
2: Of course they are.
0: <laughs> um, it's raining through the day. Quill decides he's going to start playing dominoes with Coco before heading to the hotel to fax his first column to the something. <laughs> when he does, he happily discovers that Derek Cuddlebrink, our favorite uh, six-foot-seven busboy from the old stone mill, oh. is working. has been hired to work in the hotel dining room for the summer, meaning Quill now has a built-in spy. Uh, Another chat with Dwight Summers also reveals the huge rift between the development and the island natives and that Don Exbridge is not as happy about the situation as he appears to be. Need to take a quick pause and grab a tissue.
1: Okay. Hmm. Now you said the scene where... uh, Don't wait for that. (laughs) Okay. Now you said the scene where the foghorn wakes Quill up was a (laughs) a fun one. What what was a what exactly it happened just with fun it. To read because
2: he's woke. You know, he's st- startled awake by what we find out later is a foghorn and he talks about it sounds like a train is about to barrel through the cabin itself because it's so the sound is so close and so loud and then it's so amazing that the cats are relatively cool about it you know <laughs> okay. yeah like my cats would be all over the they would be jumping off the ceiling if that happened oh wow all
0: right so another there's another day of rain and a call from Arch about um Quill as, asking Quill to uh, find a bed and breakfast for him and Mildred his lovely new bride
1: Oh uh, yes. Um, yes to yes, stay yes. at
0: they politely request not the Domino Inn um so Quill makes plans <laughs> to visit the very fancy Island Experience but there's a catfit from Coco who wrinkles his good clothes and Quill goes on a nature walk instead with a stop at Vacation Helpers once again for laundry. <laughs> Now, this turns out to be lucky for a mysterious young woman who is bitten by a snake just as Quill appears on the scene. Oh, no. He takes her home, which turns out to be the fancy schmancy pines. That's and not how we say it. Oh, the pines. The pines. Yeah, the pines. <laughs> <laughs> and he delivers her into the hands of her doctor brother so they can airlift her to the mainland for uh, for, uh, for medical care. Score one for Coco and the precognition. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, you know, up until this point, Coco has been somewhat subtle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you, you'd actually need to really be paying attention to get the signals that Coco's sending. But this is a very clear of, nope, you're not going to Island right. Experience. You're going on a nature walk today. <laughs> Quill does eventually make it to the Island Experience and is delighted to find out that the owners are fans of the Quill pen because, oh, we gotta we, we got to love the Quill ego.
1: Well, and his flattery gets pretty
3: Everywhere. much anything out of Quill, right. pretty much.
0: Um They're also talkative while tipsy, and they give Quill a full rundown on the Applehard family of the snobby matriarch, who runs the Grand Island Club with with an iron fist. The three sons, we have the failed lawyer, the wonderful vet, and professional husband, who's been married three times that we know of.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And then, of course, the very strange daughter, who is the one that Quill rescued.
3: Ah. Quill leaves them
0: happily sloshed on champagne after securing a suite for the Rikers for the weekend, and he gets a hero's welcome back at the Domino Inn from two other guests, who turn out to be former teachers, Edna and Edith Mosley. They are uh, they are former teachers from a fancy finishing school near Boston, and the Appleheart daughter was a student of theirs. Hmm. I suspect this is something like Miss Porter's, um, which is a very, very famous finishing school. I was going to say, probably um, a finishing school oh, from exactly that time.
2: Something on. of that ilk. Of I that think. ilk,
0: yeah. Yeah, yes. I, I actually went and looked up Miss Porter's just to see what happened and they they you know they're very clear about they don't offer scholarships unless you are related to a Miss Porter's girl.
2: Oh, we, Interesting. Sorry. Oh, wow. So
0: they, there they has, will, to there <laughs> has to be a lineage. There has to be a lineage. We don't One, one might in. be temporarily embarrassed of funds, but one still must have the breeding to well, be a Miss Porter's girl.
2: <laughs> and if you're missing both, you're just not welcome at Miss Porter's. Well, no. <laughs>
1: exactly. No, of course not. Then you go to Boston University or something. Sure. I don't then know. Then you go to KFC. To <laughs> Get yourself a double down. Sure.
0: So we learned that the daughter's name is Elizabeth, and she was sent to their school to become less shy and retiring. It did not work. Um, less
1: shy and retiring.
0: <laughs> also, fun, fun fact in the reading of this, after stating that their names are Edna and Edith, Lillian Jackson Braun makes absolutely no attempt to keep the sisters straight after this, just referring to them as the first sister and the other sister when they speak later in the book.
1: So you have no she, idea which one's. She saying. She does not
0: remember which one is which. <laughs> um, even the even the uh, the Hardings, uh, the the priest and his wife, mm-hmm. um, can't remember which sister is which. They're very distinctive, but you can't remember which one is which. <laughs> one taught English and one taught science.
1: Um, I was talking to oh god, why they why one of them have to sit down? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and one's tall and one's short. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but apparently, we can't tell which one um, is which. So back at the hotel,
1: it's the episode of The Office where Michael has to put a mark on one of those. Uh, woman they go to the date with to oh, tell bored. the two of them apart <laughs> whatever it was
0: <laughs> anyway back at the hotel cole runs into dwight who confides that don Exbridge is starting to go a little nuts over small problems oh. um, but keeps ignoring the larger ones um now Exbridge has decided that he wants to try and drum up some business by throwing a huge gala at the lighthouse where there are no facilities uneven ground and potentially gale force winds even on a calm day mm.
3: hmm.
0: not a good idea um Dwight is at the end of his ropes here, um, and he also warns Quill that June is about to go from weekend visitor to full-time employee and that Quill should be on his guard. Hmm. Apparently, Dwight took her to dinner once, and it did not end well. (laughs) He refers to her as a predatory misanthrope.
3: Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Oh, God. she kind of
0: comes across that way, actually. She really does. I mean, she is the master of the, uh, you know, nice thing, nice thing, nice thing, nice thing. And then backhanded compliment, literally delivered with a backhanded slap at some point. I mean, it's just, it's just awful. Um, Good Lord. So we get back to the Domino Inn and Quill receives a formal invitation to tea delivered by a liveried footman, knew this. (laughs) As thanks for saving Elizabeth from the snake bite.
1: Only the best from the pines. But of
0: course. <laughs> um, the excitement is marred by yet another death. And this one is a hang glider who was shot down.
1: Shot down? Yes,
0: the hang glider was, gl- was hang gliding off the cliffs. And there was gunfire that shot him down. And he died out of hypothermia after landing in the lake. Oh, now remember, God. this lake is so cold that once you go down, you do not come up. Um, so while there is sunbathing, there is, there is no swimming yeah, in do lake. Yeah, you
2: don't, like swim in the ocean here. no
1: no good good <laughs> night the jeez yeah. they, so they think makes... he was a pigeon is that why he was
0: shot mm, it's getting it's getting pretty obvious that they're going after people from the, ho- from the hotel. very much so um, good. so this makes five in- incidents all fairly evenly spaced and really designed to drive the tourists away mm-hmm. um, now that june is in residence and june the month is in full swing um, quill is unsurprised to hear that june the person has mail company <laughs> surprise when said company leaves via the nature trail towards the grand island club rather than the main road back to the hotel so june mm. is having mystery visitors and we don't know who they are
1: mm-hmm. mm. interesting
0: um he's also very annoyed when she shows up early the next morning to invite him to breakfast which he declines and coco then glares at her until she leaves um
1: <laughs> coco's a very good judge of character coco right? which, very good. yes mm-hmm. yes
0: and June is apparently very susceptible to the uh, to the Coco mind meld because she apparently came to the barn at one point and he talks about how uh, she tried to she tried to hit on Quill until Coco gave her gave her the whammy as Quill calls it, and then she left with the headache. All to the better. Uh, fortunately, Arch and Mildred have arrived. Uh, Arch whining about the exorbitant rates of the of the B and B. Mildred raving about the exquisite antiques. That was part of the course for them.
2: And the yellow flowers.
0: And the yellow flowers, <laughs> which were which were specifically requested. Yes. Yes. They oh. they asked about the lady's favorite colors, so they made sure they had the right color. Which well, that's was, very
2: sweet. I don't know if they said what type of flower. It no, was. they didn't. Yeah. Just um, yellow. Just yellow. yellow. Favorite um, flower, yellow. It was a yep. bouquet of crayons. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: Um, Bouquet banana peels. The three go to dinner at the hotel where Quill gets a message from Derek, the spy. And Mildred reveals that the overly fancy antique dealer that Quill has met is also staying at the island experience. Hmm. Um, she also points out that the depression glass that uh, the dealer represented to Quill as genuine is a reproduction. Oh. And so are Quill's Venetian masks. So what is this woman doing on this island with reproductions and exorbitant prices? uh, And the plot thickens, especially after after Quill Spots, Derek Cuddlebrink leaving June's cottage late at night.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: The spy was leaving. The spy was leaving. Now, it turns out that June is hosting, quote unquote, auditions uh, for a review that she wants to do later in the summer, which apparently is her excuse to bring in Attractive male Company um, and...
2: Audition them. Audition uh, them. Audition on them. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's That's, not It's not a good-looking situation. Let's no, just it,
1: it, it seems... It's never made clear what happens. But.
0: No, no, because everything is hearsay from Quilt's cottage, you right. know, 150 feet away. Um, Still,
1: though, what type of review is this, I wonder? Mm-hmm. We never mm. find out. Anatomical <laughs> review. Anatom- yeah, <laughs> yes. A very thorough anatomical.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: We don't,
0: we don't. We don't, but... Yum makes the next discovery in the morning, which is a phone number uh, left in the cottage, left in Quill's cottage in June handwriting. That turns out to be for the Pines Gatehouse. Hmm. Um, so Quill is on his way to the Pines, and he's calling this number, trying to figure out who, where it could lead to. So, so this is something that he has in his mind when he goes to visit the Pines for tea. The Pines, excuse me. Um, yes. What he learns is that Elizabeth is clearly under the thumb of her domineering mother and harassed by her youngest brother, though the older two seem to be nice enough. She musters up enough you're courage okay. to demand to be allowed to drive Quill home in the, in the horse cart. Um, apparently, one of her brothers restores antique carriages, and that's his whole thing. Hmm. Well, uh, so, all right. You know, if, you, if, if you're meant to be a lawyer and you find that you would much rather restore carriages, who are we to argue?
2: If you're that wealthy, go with your passion. Absolutely. Right, exactly. No, nothing's going to stop you.
0: Yeah. She also <laughs> justifies this as saying she wants to meet his cats, mm-hmm. which is fair. Well, that's fair. Um, yeah. It's clear that she's going to get an earful when she returns, but she but she goes anyway. And she turns out to have a thing for numerology and gets oh. in smashingly with the cats. Coco adores her. Yum, yum, thinks she's lovely. Um, and Coco, through her, is able to uh, is, is able to clarify what he's been trying to communicate with the dominoes that he and Quill have been playing. Um He's, Quill has decided that, you know, it, it was raining, they were bored. Um, so he's having Coco knock off, uh, knock off the dominoes, and then he's making words out of them and giving Coco points. So she is the one who points out that numbers associate with, let, with letters. Mm-hmm. And that changes the game for, for Quill and, and, uh, and Coco. Because yeah. now when Coco's knocking things off, Quill is starting to associate them with words. And
1: suppose the
2: numbers that are on there. As opposed mm. to just the numbers. Interesting.
0: So it's very so very if interesting. If
2: the letter A is the is the number one, mm-hmm. letter B is number two, and so on. so on, right, right, right. You can take the numbers on the dominoes mm-hmm. and come up with your letters, and then it's like a game of Scrabble where you're trying to make the words out of
1: fit everything in there so that way it spells out a sentence or spells out some kind of message. Yeah, so
2: Coco would knock off, I don't know, four or five mm-hmm. of the domino tiles and then Quillerine comes up with oh, it's it's lake, oh Le- it's or leak, or leak or
0: all of the things that it could have been lighthouse or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And oh, Cole associates this with um, with sending coded messages to Arch when they were kids in Chicago. Uh, and there's some fun little trips down memory lanes on that one. Nice. So before he can really think about this too much, he heads over to the hotel to meet uh, Lisa and Lyle Compton, who are over for uh, Lyle's talk on Bloody Scotland. Mm-hmm. All the gory stuff that he couldn't <laughs> share on his on the tour when, when, in the cat who wasn't there. mm mm-hmm. um, Lyle complains about XYZ cutting costs on their new elementary school. Remember, he's the superintendent of right, schools.
3: Right, right, right.
0: Uh, and he wishes for a good tornado so they could start over again with a different builder. <laughs> Lisa comments <laughs> that he might get his wish if the weather report is right, because there's a possible freak storm that is headed their way.
1: This is not a good summer.
0: It's not a good sign for this whole for e- resort this, thing. Yeah. Goodness. Derek then meets Quill to explain his mysterious clue from the night before of all the people who got food poisoning. Because the one word clue that Derek gave him said gumbo. And and Derek mm. translates this as saying, all the people who got food poisoning, all 15 of them, had the chicken gumbo. Shrimp gumbo? Any other chicken dishes? Not a problem.
1: But the chicken gumbo. But the
0: chicken gumbo was a thing. This, however, was, you know, they, they'd been having... Discussions with a facility in Lockmaster, which had been processing their chicken and trying to figure out why wh- whether all the chicken was bad or whether it was just it's just this, but just the chicken gumbo.
2: Yeah, so it it had already been determined that the chicken was the culprit. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we find out it's actually in the gumbo. Other chicken dishes were okay, uh-huh. but something is in the gumbo something that caused is all in the food. Fi- yeah, the food
0: poisoning was targeted. That is
2: not from Louisiana.
0: Not, um,
1: and that's a Terran's mix either. Exactly. Uh, there is,
0: there was, there was, uh, with the drowning victim, Derek learns that uh, the drowning victim was with a woman not registered at the hotel. Uh, and they were drinking wine rather than shots or beer like most of the patrons. Mm-hmm. And they were also speaking in a quote-unquote foreign language, according to Derek's source, before the man was found dead in a pool. After this, Coco goes for the nut bowl Quill had put out for, uh, put out for Derek and pulls out all of the hazelnuts. Now, for those of you who don't speak French, noisette. The name of the antique store owner is French for hazelnut.
1: Ah.
0: <laughs> Just to clarify that, Good. I was so excited when I, w- when I was reading these originally because I have far too many years of, of high school and later college French and singing and operas and all of these things. So some things stick in your head. Um, this one most particularly because when I would buy candy bars when I lived in Germany I was looking for the ones with hazelnuts in them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and they have them in French; They had the, the them labeled in French and German.
2: So is it Hershey's Avec Noisette? Yeah Cool.
1: Now don't you have a background with French as well Bernie that you- French uh, was my minor in college. That's yeah, right. Nice. That's what it was. Yeah Interesting. Of course, it's been, you know, 25 years. So. Well, right since But still, I'm sure there's still some things that could still stick with you. absolutely. But the word for hazelnut may not have been one of them. (laughs) It was was not one of them.
0: Fair (laughs) enough. Now, following this train of thought, Quill gets Dwight to investigate the hotel files to see if Noisette has a last name. And the conversation winds back to June Halbert. According to the Comptons, she came north because she loved horses and riding. But Dwight points out that her pale face doesn't match an outdoor person's complexion, and when he took her to dinner at the Palomino Paddock, she didn't mention riding once. So, a grain of salt with that observation. Remember, this was a bad, this was a bad date. Um, Dwight also reports that Don Xbridge threw a photojournalist from the something out of the hotel for asking about the feral cat population. So all is not well in XYZ Land.
1: <laughs> <laughs> something is rotten in XYZ. <laughs>
0: exactly. On his way to the post office, Quill runs into, of all people, Andrew Brody, um, our our, our uh, Moose County Police Chief, who's sitting on the hotel porch waiting for his wife to finish shopping. Andrew makes some dire warnings about the island's tall trees, which uh, frame the which frame the hotel. Uh, and comments that they could blow over in a strong storm because of the lack of groundwater due to the hotel and shopping locations. He also shares a rumor that the hotel might have been designed for, to fail for some business reasons. We never quite figure out what they are. Mm. Uh, XYZ, by the way, at this point is looking sketchier by the minute. Another plot point arrives in the form of the Mosley sisters, one of which mentions a peat bog in the center of the island. And one of the interesting facts about peat bogs is mm-hmm. that items and bodies don't decompose in them due to bog acid. This is literally what it said when I looked it up on Wikipedia. They describe it as bog acid, which acts as a preservative.
2: Hmm. So if you, if you dump a body... In a bog? If in a bog. If you find yourself in a murder mystery <laughs> and you have to get rid of a body... Uh, do not take it to a peat bug because it will preserve it perfectly. Yes, and, then, and you'll
0: be able to find all of the all of the clues yeah. later. Um, <laughs> That's my,
2: sound advice.
0: My internet search history after this book has been really interesting. That's why you
1: always use an incognito window, do you?
0: Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> what fun is that? If they ask, I'm writing a mystery novel. Sure so with this information quill comes up with a possible solution for the mystery of the missing lighthouse keepers he wonders if the keepers went to the middle of the island hunting for pirate treasure one night and drowned in the peat bog mm-hmm. never to be heard from again he then heads to harriet's cafe with his theory but she's upset about some other new information the accidents caused by the hotel um, have caused her to lay off several of her rumor uh, has had, has caused the hotel excuse me to lay off several of her rumors so they're leaving for the mainland um, and fewer people are coming for meals because, you know, nobody wants to come have a vacation in a place where they co- they could get shot,
2: or have food, poisoning, or have food
0: poisoning, or, or, any of the or pool, fall or
2: in
1: the stair, ca- or fall on the stair, the, steps up. the stairs, or be I mean, near an explosion. Just yeah. basically everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and to top this all off. Harriet has discovered that one of the islanders is likely involved in causing some of the accidents plaguing the resort. Mm. She feels caught in the middle of island solidarity and mainlander's sense of right and wrong, and Quill helps her clean up the cafe in the interest of getting the rest of the story, which he never does. Mm. Um, so uh, we don't find that out, that, there, that she doesn't share it. Uh, Quill figures it out another way. Um, so he heads back to the Domino Inn and more games of dominoes with Coco uh, before Quill goes to lunch with Elizabeth Appleheart. Um... After compliments to her rather eccentric style of dress, as he puts it, women of spirit and individuality seem to be drawn to purple. He's thinking of the late Euphonia Gage, you know, purple power, all of that.
3: Mm -hmm. And
0: Elizabeth mentions Dark Village, which is yet another name for Providence Village, a.k.a. Pirate Town.
1: Dark Village. (laughs) Dark
0: Village. Um, Stephen uh,
1: King's Dark Village. I
0: guess. (laughs) And she decides that after lunch it'd be a great thing to take him there. Um, (laughs) Apparently her late father was on good terms with the villagers, and he took her and her brothers there all the time um but elizabeth who asked quill to call her liz has a story that takes a very dark turn from there this may be why she thinks of it as dark village she tells quill that when she was 16 her brother jack was home trying to get out of his second marriage and one day he was uncharacteristically nice to her and took her for a picnic in a drive through dark village <laughs> liz does not come out and say it but it's pretty clear that he tried to sexually assault her and she managed to escape to the beach and got on a boat ride back to the pines with some island fishermen in their catch whoa She tries to tell her family, but Jack just claims she's crazy and the rest of the family believes her. After this, understandably, Liz has a breakdown and a nurse companion for the rest of the year while Miss Appleheart pays off Jack's second wife and sends Jack off to Europe, where, of course, he meets third wife. (laughs) Uh, Thunder meets the end of uh, Elizabeth's story ominously. And she explains to Quill that they often hear thunder for days before the storm actually arrives on the island, which is an interesting thing about water and how it transports sound and all of those mm, things sure. that I find interesting. Right, right. Um, so on that note, Quill takes Liz home and heads back to the Domino Inn to think.
3: Hmm.
0: Brody managed to find out the name of the hotel guest who drowned for him, and that would be a George Dulac of Lakeland, Florida. Quill, for some reason, thinks this name sounds Slavic. I I, I don't know. Which,
2: that was how, strange.
0: How, how bad was Brody's pronunciation? Right. I don't know. Um, Dulock of the, Lancelot Dulock. Right. Anybody? Yes. Anybody? Any, okay, thank which you.
2: Is great, which is great, because it means from the lake.
0: Yes, and he's, and from, he's Lakeland. from
2: Lakeland. He's from Lakeland.
0: <laughs> he's from Lakeland, Florida, and he drowned in a pool filled yes. with water from the lake. Right. Anyway. Um And then Quill also finds a message from Dwight Somers. He's leaving the island, meaning uh, he probably got fired, but he did find Wazette's information and put it in the mail for Quill. Um, So he either was fired or quit. And either way, good riddance to XYZ. Dwight is far too nice to be mixed up in all of their craziness. And the storm is very quickly approaching. The cats are restless. And in the middle of the night, Coco jolts Quill awake to uh, to smell smoke because June Halliburton's cabin is on fire. Oh, no. Quill gets the cats out of his cabin and up to the main inn while the fire crew puts out the fire and airlifts June to the mainland. (laughs) Quill, at this point, calls the newspaper while they wait for the firefighters to finish up and tips them off about the definite injuries and possible death. It does turn out to be eventual death. June does not survive. Mm, At this point, most of the Domino Inn's guests check out in the morning. and I would say so. And Nick takes the kids and all nine cats back to the mainland. Remember, one of them had kittens. Oh, God, Um, that's right. Yeah, they all all (laughs) head back to the mainland to stay with Lori's mother while he and Lori the inn against the coming storm and plan to ride it out.
2: Yeah, people are leaving, I mean, one, because there was a fire, there's a death, but there's also this huge storm. Storm coming, right. It's
0: it's a matter of being safe. So
1: it's a lot of things happening at once to get the guests to leave.
0: Yeah, and... So let's see, Cool decides to stick around. Uh, he's able to get all of his belongings out of the colli- cottage with nothing more than some smoke damage. And now that the Bomba's cats are gone, the Siamese have the run of the main inn. Um, he takes the laundry once more to vacation helpers <laughs> and uh, heads back to the inn to uh, help put up the storm shutters. Derek stops by on his way to the ferry back to the mainland because he's been laid off. Right. Um, and they're evacuating the hotel by this point, mm-hmm. it should be mentioned. Mm-hmm. He lets cool know that the hotel was getting herbs, meat, and produce from the islanders as well as their mainland suppliers. Hmm. The New Orleans chef is apparently very excited about the herbs. And Quill starts to wonder if the chef and Noisette have any connections, but gets distracted playing dominoes with Coco, who's been spelling a word that Quill thought was field, but he also realizes could be filed. As in the nails have been filed down in the steps, causing them to break. And a trip under the porch steps with Nick reveals a hacksaw blade hidden in the sand.
1: So somebody hacked
0: through their steps.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: there, you know, Cole <laughs> reminisces when they were renovating his barn, that when they were going to remove all of the old nails, literally they were just hitting them with a file and they would disintegrate. Hmm. Uh, and this hotel is old enough that that would definitely happen.
2: Interesting. Okay. And when the accident with the steps had happened, mm-hmm. the person that repaired the steps blamed it on the old rusty nails.
1: Well, all right. Everything's coming together.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really oh, much closer. I
1: love it. I love it.
0: Another word that Coco kept turning up was Kale, which is a popular last name on the island. Turns out, Halliburton was June's married name. She is June Kale, and her father (laughs) does in fact work at the Gatehouse of the Pines, per Quill's conversation with Harriet Beadle as she boards up her cafe. Harriet, uh, despite promising him information, decides not to say anything except that she's known June Hale all her life, and she's sorry she's gone. Once an islander, always an islander. Always an islander. (laughs) So Quill and the Bombas prepare to weather the storm at the Domino Inn with a surprise guest, Liz. Now that she's going by Elizabeth Cage, which is her middle name, she chats with Lori about moving to Moose County and arranges for Nick to dock his boat with the Grand Island Club, um, which is nice because that means the boat will survive the storm because the because mar- there's no protection at, the, uh, at the main marina. Um, her family has decided to evacuate the island, um, which she's surprised at because they never have before. Hmm. But they're doing it this way. So she's choosing to stay at, stay at the Domino Inn and stay on the island and eventually move to Pickaxe and do all of these things that she wants to do. She's, she's an oddball character. Um, so the bad news at this point is Quill still hasn't figured out what the heck is going on, and all he has to show is some hunches, suspicions, and a hacksaw. Um, but that is all about to change once the storm hit and the power go, hits and the power goes out because Liz comes to Quill for help lighting her oil lamp because her matches are too damp to light bad a bad move on the part of the innkeepers sorry nick and Lori. um and she tells him that she overheard her brother jack and june's father arguing in the stable in the meantime quill and the bombas and the cats and liz huddle in the middle room of the inn while the storm rages around lasts all night in the morning the domino inn has only minor damage while the pear island hotel and boardwalk have been practically leveled and as birdie predicted the ancient trees topple over and crush the structure so, oh no so much for xyz construction we never do hear what happened to the elementary school though
1: I'm hoping it's okay.
0: I, or not, because then they can start over with the new builder. Well,
1: that's true. That's yes. right. A tornado,
2: that's right. The tornado to come through. Exactly. So apparently XYZ is not, they're not great at building things.
0: No, no. No. We later start hearing about the construction of apartments with bouncing floors.
2: Oh, cheap. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll they be They like to do it. I guess they, uh, well, they like to do it cheaply.
0: Yep. <laughs> yes. So XYZ
1: is not for quality. yeah no. uh.
0: Liz has attached herself to Quill, so he's now trying to get rid of her onto some kind of path for her life. Any path for her life. He likes the doting grandfather role until he actually has to, you know, deal with her. Um, to make matters worse, uh, he still has her in the car, along with her luggage, once they get back to the mainland, when he picks up Polly from her from the airport. <laughs> Polly is not amused. Mm-hmm. Oh, Parker no.
1: There. I would imagine um, not.
0: Yes, this is... Uh, it, uh, sorry if this doesn't make, become clear. After the storm, Domino in is fine. Uh, Nick takes... Laura, Nick takes Quill and Liz back to the mainland, and he goes and starts getting her settled into her new life while well, he tries to pick up Polly from the airport, and Quill claims that she's a friend of Fran Brody's and is interested in the new college, which is what they're doing with all of those old houses on Goodwinter Boulevard.
1: The community college is yes. are setting
0: up, right. Um, this placates Polly only so far. They <laughs> drop Polly off, and we finally hear what Liz overheard in the stables, which is, June's father accuses Jack of starting the fire in June's cottage because... Apparently, June was wife number four. He needed to get rid of her so he could marry wife number five. Jack, however, has plenty on June's father. Apparently, Jack's, uh, June's father is responsible for the food poisoning, the boat explosion, and the shooting of the hang glider. Although June's father retorts that Jack was the one who told him to do it. So the two are in a very clear Mexican standoff, and Liz slips out the back to find her mother <coughs> issuing evacuation orders to leave the scene of the crime, so Quill thinks. She confirms that Jack, that June was wife number four for Jack, but when Jack tried to get rid of her to marry a French woman that he met in Florida, ding, 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 there's Moisette, Um, June <laughs> apparently refused to be bought off. Apparently, she'd had a crush on Jack since childhood and no money would be enough to replace Jack. Liz is not impressed with June's devotion. <laughs> um, so
1: Only goes so far.
0: Cole finally gets back to the barn, alone, lets the cats rediscover having space to run, and calls Brody to tell him what he's learned. He finally opens Dwight Somers' letter with Noisette's last name, which is Dulac, Same as the man who drowned in the hotel Uh pool. So it's all finally put together that the accidents were planned by Jack for various reasons. (laughs) Getting rid of Noisette's husband by drugging his drink, setting June's mattress on fire after drugging her drink, and covering it all up with food poisoning, boat explosions, and shootings, which ruined the tourist trade for the hotel. Brody now gets to take all of this information to the prosecutor, and Quill can move on with making up with Polly, who is apparently planning to leave her carriage house in the new community college campus and build her own home. Her friend in Oregon, by the way, was an architect. Um, mm. And they drew up plans for her, but that is an adventure for another book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's another show, as Alton Brown would say. Sure.
2: Exactly. Oh, my. So the, the, the food poisoning, I, uh, at least I felt, was a way of distracting from... Mm-hmm. The, the, the larger big picture, picture as a whole. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was trying to create a, a whole narrative around friction between the the native islanders and the tourists. Right. Um,
0: when really he just wanted them gone so he could get rid of <laughs> wife number four. Yes.
2: Interesting. So if you've ever read Agatha Christie's The ABC Murders, this will sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: Yes. I have not read that one. Yes. No, but we've
0: seen them. Mm. We've seen the we've seen the, uh, the new interpretation.
1: Was this the one with uh, Patty Constantine?
0: With Ronald Weasley.
1: Oh, that's right, the one with uh, John Malkovich.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I,
2: haven't, I have not seen this. It's on
0: Prime. It's wonderful. I, it's, I really like it. I, Apparently I, some people don't like the Poirot interpretation. I thought it was really good. It was right. definitely,
1: if you're, if, well, I, I'm so used to David Suchet that yeah. it was a bit tough to get to get to John Malkovich, which is doing it in a very John Malkovich way, if that makes sense, as far as being Poirot. Uh,
0: so, sure.
1: yeah. uh, but it, it is very well done, though.
0: Yeah. Um, so right. some thoughts on this book that I had. Um, we've got a fun about-face from Quill. In a previous book, he was against flying to Minneapolis with the Landspeaks for baseball and shopping, but in this book, he actually suggested it to Polly. Maybe it's the company. He suggested going with Arch and Mildred rather than Larry and Carol Landspeak, because, which is fair because Carol was trying to get him to marry Melinda Goodwitter and the cat who wasn't there. and Mildred uh, has been his comfort food source since Iris' passing, so it's a much more pleasant association
1: iris cobb still miss her still
0: miss her she's lovely that was a shame that was a shame yes we get a lot of a lot of the history of pear breakfast providence grand island that we get is per homer Tibbet, who the is official now official historian uh, he, well he, now he's the official moose county historian but he never actually appears in the book we don't actually get a conversation with him really this is just quill reciting what i heard from homer Tibbet.
1: that's right
2: <laughs> what i heard from homer yeah. tibbett this the his second column next Although, to. interestingly enough uh Quillerin had never heard the mysterious story of the lighthouse keepers from Homer
0: Tippett. No, Homer didn't know. So that's something that's very really? that was kept on the island.
2: Interesting.
0: Huh. So now we've got that. Now we've got that story to add to the list. Um, Jen Halliburton's interesting because when we meet her in the previous book and through the start of this book, it's like she's getting set up as another love interest mm. who's going to pursue him, and he's not going to be interested. Um, You know, she's got the red hair, the heavy perfume, the inability to take no for an answer. And we have the added fun, as we mentioned, of her being openly insulting. (laughs) It seems like-
1: Didn't mention that Melinda had red hair before. Mm. Oh, yes, she did. Okay, well. Yes,
0: sorry, (laughs) Um, with with red hair and the green eyes. Um, So it seems like replacing Melinda turned out to be an unworkable idea. And so halfway through (laughs) the book, she decides to get rid of her as the unwanted wife, which was probably way more fun to write. Um, It's it's a little bit easier to make her be mean and horrible, and then she disappears. And it's one of those deaths where you're like, I'm not really sad she's gone.
2: Yeah.
0: But it was a fun it was a fun way to it Well, and
2: her. initially they're attributing the death to smoking in bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah, trying to claim it's her own fault until we find out that you know her drink was drugged and then her mattress was set on fire. <laughs> Um, we have some fun with Lori uh, Bamba as the epitome of the do-it-yourselfer. Mm. She cooks the breakfast with some local help, painted the doors like dominoes to stay on theme for the hotel, and <laughs> brags about making all of the slip covers for the hotel herself. You win some, you lose some, because the breakfasts are great, the theme is cute, slip covers are described as just absolutely ungodly hideous. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Giant oversized patterns of roses and irises. Oh, no. And yeah. especially in a very small space, mm-hmm. it's just overwhelming.
2: Uh, although I do love the... Um... The domino theme, yes. You know because the the dots on the dominoes are called pips. Mm-hmm. So Quillerin's cabin is four pips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and the whole say, oh, thing so, so that, that would be the door. That would be the
1: sign on the door. I'm yes. guessing for the the room yes, She painted yeah, oh, nice. all
0: the doors like dominoes,
1: so the whole door looks like a domino. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and she's described it in the whole thing. All the housekeeping housekeeping cabins are described as pip court.
2: That's right, pip court. Mm-hmm. Although I had never, I had actually never heard of uh, black dominoes with white pips. I've only ever seen white dominoes with black pips.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I've seen, I, I, yeah, I've seen both kinds I've seen both kinds myself, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to
1: think, uh, I've never actually played dominoes myself, but at the summer camp I worked at, that was a huge thing for some people to have domino tournaments. Oh, but sure. It was never uh, just a game I got into.
3: Yeah.
1: I just I know them that the thing you can tip down to form the different patterns as the setting up dominoes falling. Mm-hmm. That's about all I know. <laughs> um
0: one thing that kind of makes me roll my eyes a little bit is how Lillian Jackson Braun seems to write her quote unquote native women very similarly. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really easy comparison of Chrysalis Beecham from The Cat Who Moved a Mountain and Harriet Beadle. You get tall, strong women with more education than most in the area who are almost quote unquote mannish in their appearance and who find themselves the spokesperson for their community after the death imprisonment of a loved one. In Harriet's case, it's her grandfather. Um, But it's interesting that Harriet decides to retreat back into the island community versus Chrysalis, who's looking to work with the modern community to bring everything out. Um, so since Harriet decides to go for the community instead of confiding in Quill, we never hear from her again. <laughs> we really don't hear about Breakfast Island, I think, ever again, except as, as it's referred to as the Breakfast Island Fiasco, in response <laughs> to XYZ trying to do anything. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. So
1: it doesn't, it's just a fiasco. It's, it's just a fiasco. fiasco. The Breakfast Island Fiasco. Right.
0: Yes. <laughs> and we also have a, another problem of LBJ's, which is she writes children very, very strangely. Um, in this case, we have a four-year-old who babbles unintelligently, um, intelligibly, excuse me, to his, except to his mother, and a two-year-old who speaks clearly.
1: Well, this is after. Yeah, which book was it where there was the eight-year-old but who had uh, talk the, to ghosts? Uh, the, the, who? No, I'm sorry, not an eight-year-old, an eight-month-old who was speaking in complete sentences.
2: Yeah. R- really.
1: That's what t- they, she claimed. Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: And. I just learned myself. <laughs> <laughs> Our daughter is one year old, and she can barely get out "bubba." Right.
2: So. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you find with Harriet, you know, we talk about how smart she is mm-hmm. and she's uh, has an education, but her language indicates that she might not be.
0: A little bit. It's, I was having trouble
2: putting those two things together.
0: It's it's less than I don't think she's intelligent. It's that she's deliberately speaking in, in can't, I guess, is the best term for mm. it. Because Lillian Jackson likes to write speech patterns more than she writes accents or anything like that. She writes speech patterns um harriet speaks very well this happened that's that's the whole seven sense. Right. there's there's no elaboration there's no mm-hmm. there's very little yeah. there's very little nicety it's just this is the statement that's what we're doing yeah, it's and now plain, i'm quiet
2: very plain language. plain spoken yeah but like her, for example her grammar is not the best yeah.
0: made me mad made
2: me mad uh, <laughs> that makes me mad that made me mad um so i just thought i just thought it was an interesting choice
0: yeah it's you know there's I, I think that's it's also demonstrating her kind of conflict between being a person of the island and a person dealing with sure. main, and but she spends her days dealing with mainlanders all the time. Yeah,
2: and, and there's certainly a case to be made for even an educated person mm-hmm. going back home and then still and almost s- picking up, like when you pick up an accent when you go back home. Yep. That's what I was also wondering if it was that. Interesting. Yeah,
0: I definitely agree. It's it's an interesting thing to write, but, you know, Harriet Beecham, uh, not Harriet Beecham, but Chrysalis Beecham in The Cat Who Moved a Mountain mm-hmm. had that same kind of plain spokenness, Yeah. Um, but in an Appalachian set. Go figure. Yeah. Um,
1: this is during the potatoes. This
0: is when he That's right. potatoes the um, potatoes. The
1: potato mountains.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, we also get a little bit of Quillerin history with uh, Lunch with Elizabeth. She talks mm-hmm. about numerology, and she talks about how, you know, his name de- – the, the name that she was given for him doesn't match up to the numerology and what she knows of, of numerology. And it turns out his name is not, as we have been told, James McIntosh Quilleran, but actually Merlin James Quilleran.
1: Merlin? Yep. Due to
0: his mother <laughs> reading Spencer's the Fairy Queen while pregnant. He changed it when he got to college. <laughs> yeah.
1: because I guess he that.
0: didn't like being known as Merlin. Hell, what? Oh, I'd,
1: well, I'd, I'd keep Merlin. <laughs> I'd wear that. I'd have a name tag every day if that was my name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we uh, going into a, a series that we that we tend to have, which is our sign of the times. Um, the Domino Inn has a public phone in the main building, not in the cabins, much less the individual rooms. And of course, fax machines, no computers. no Oh, cell phones. oh I see. Yes, yeah.
1: I was so going to say right when you mentioned that Quill had to had to fax in his quill pen yes. for the week. Oh, that yes. was.
0: But he had to go. To, but he had to go to the main hotel to do that right. because Domino Inn didn't have one. Um, And and
1: now fax machines are pretty much, you know, because, of course, you can just attach everything with an email. email. And you can actually
0: send things via an email to a fax machine. Right. Which I think is the most brilliant innovation ever. Oh, yeah. Because way easier. Mm. Um, So before we get to Cats Will Be Cats and pause and finish up, so, Bernie, you remember reading these before I asked you if you'd be interested in reading one of these? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember when when you kind of found them and what you thought of them?
2: The, um... When did I find them? Probably, I probably first uh, found uh, the books in the '80s. Uh, I was—I've always been a voracious reader, mm-hmm. and mysteries were definitely my thing. Like, I owned all of the. I just. I bought books by the dozen and would just read them. So...
0: And you mentioned you wanted to be a mystery writer at you, one point.
2: When I was growing up, I knew I knew exactly what I wanted to be, and uh, I wanted to write mysteries. I was a huge, huge Agatha Christie fan growing up, uh, and, and going back to this book, you know, because I haven't read something like this in some time, so going back to this book, I was reminded of other authors that I used to love, um, Charlotte McLeod. Mm-hmm. Carolyn Hart. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the Carolyn Hart books. Uh, Tony Hillerman mm-hmm. and H.R.F. Keating. Ooh, that. Uh, no all of basically cozy mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the with the style of the you yeah. know,
0: with their setting, with their specific settings, specific means- settings,
2: uh, lots of local color. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Not a lot of violence, uh, firsthand violence anyway. Uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, I had read you know because I, I I sampled so many different authors. And uh, so I read, you know, I think three of the Cat series books and, you know, don't remember a lot now. I couldn't even Mm -hmm. tell you which titles they were now. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was just nice to get the invitation to be like, oh, yeah, I I remember this. Hmm. And just reading it was like kind of meeting an old friend.
1: Yeah. That's That's wonderful. very nice.
2: That's wonderful. Yeah. Now you have some
1: other notes uh, that you wrote down. Is there anything that we missed or anything that was uh, glossed over that you noticed? Just as another set of eyes. uh, uh,
2: yeah, I, I just had some kind of random thoughts that I was just writing down as I went along. Um, I loved the use of the word trenchant, which keeps yes. coming up, because the sisters... Was it the sisters or was it the the, the, the vicar, the priest? Oh, I think it was the sisters... That, or like, oh, we love your column. We think it's trenchant.
0: Yeah, I think it was the sister's. <laughs> and then he's on his phone,
2: on the phone with the editor, <laughs> and he says, well, you know, some people think my, my writing is
3: trenchant. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> and then later it says, he was trying to write something trenchant. <laughs> but by far, by far, the best word, the best word in this book, mm-hmm. propinquity. Yes. Propinquity. I had never heard it before. Propinquity. I was like that is a marvelous word.
1: It and is. What
2: does it mean? Proximity. Oh. As in closeness. Right.
1: Yes.
0: We'll have to bring that up later because um, in a later book and I remember this because I remember the cat's name specifically. Um, there Quill goes and helps a neighbor rescue their two cats, Pinky and Quinky, for propinquity and equanimity. <laughs> <laughs> To that. We'll, we'll try, uh, I'll, try and, remember, 100, I'll 100. try and remember that we talked about this. Uh,
2: I didn't know what pips were. Pips are the dots mm-hmm. on the dominoes. I thought that was uh, fascinating. And the, and the whole peat bog thing.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh, it was knows?
2: kind of disappointing that we, we never go back to that.
0: Yeah. And we never like, get to,
2: find a, to What a fascinating thing that some people might not know and try to hide a body in a peat bog I and mean, then yeah. you would find. And then you would be able to find it full, but we fully But we never go back to it. I thought that was right. a little disappointing. Hmm. Uh, the whole Dulac thing that we talked about, the My Fair Lady reference, uh, the rain <laughs> in the main goes mainly to the brain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when He's started, talking about was, being waterlogged. It was like the rain. raining
2: all day for two days in a row or something. Yeah.
0: Or longer um one thing i forgot there is a great scene with the retired clergyman artledge uh, harding um he's the one who broke a rib when the domino steps right collapse he tells about a siamese that they used to have named holy terror can we just enjoy the fact of a clergyman with a, with a cat named holy terror um said holy terror once upset an entire picture of bloody mary's all over a visiting bishop during one of his siamese oh, no. And his very sweet wife is asking, "My dear, is this actually quite appropriate for company?" And Harding replies, "My dear, the bishop inter- has been entertaining the known world with the story for twenty years."
2: so the most he's had in a while. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he's a. That's a great character. Oh I, mean, yeah. oh, I mean, Lillian Jackson brought us so. She's very good at. at creating these characters that really stand out
0: and especially the side characters they're all memorable everybody from the bartender Mm -hmm. to the woman who helps at village helpers they all are distinct characters um nobody is is ever just two-dimensional
2: yeah and it's really fun when you run into them again you know Mm -hmm. every time he goes back to vacation helpers we see what's her name again (laughs) and she's just delightful and then um was it the first time What was it? The first time he meets her, she just goes on talking and talking and talking because she's excitable. Yes. And she's asking (laughs) questions but giving him no time to answer them. And it was plowing right
1: through. What a great
2: character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: she's delightful. Well, that's the thing I've commented on uh, going through the summaries and everything is also I love just the fact that Pickaxe and Moose County is so lived in. It's an actual, even though it's a fake town and it's uh, the setting of it. Like you say, the characters are so lived in and are so fleshed out. And when you meet someone like Nick and Laurie Bamba, like Arch Riker, all yeah. these other characters, it's just, it's like you say, meeting an old friend. It's and, just and, nice.
2: Yeah, and then obviously we keep coming back to some of these characters. Exactly. It reminds me a little bit of Lake Wobegon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, uh, very local color. Mm-hmm. Um Very distinct characters. Yes. yes.
0: And, and always returning to similar characters yeah. for different stories.
2: Yeah, and, and, I mean, the names alone, you know, Derek... Cuddlebrink. Yes. Oh yeah. Like who is? Who, you've never heard of these names. Before. Oh no.
1: And these names are, are phenomenal. There's They're, actually one character who was only in the first couple of books, where it was in a uh, a vague metropolis setting, which we've called Chiclevroyt just to kind of emangalize a bunch. Mm. But when he was working as a reporter for the the Rampage. Uh,
0: no, he was working for the Fluxion. The, the, the fluxion. Rampage was the competitor.
1: That's right. When the he was fluxion? working. F- the, yes, the daily <laughs> Fluxion. The daily Fluxion. But there was a photographer there by the name of Odd Bunsen. <laughs> and he that was just my that was my favorite name and unfortunately we do not get to we see him only once or twice and yeah. he just warmed his way into my heart
2: somehow well my favorite name is the one that he uses on the phone yes he could just, oh yes when he's trying to when this he's is, trying to this
0: is the first incidence of, of Ronald Frobnitz. Frobnitz. Yeah. <laughs> Which means <laughs> how I know he hasn't mentioned yeah. it before because I have been waiting for this name to pop up for you. Ronald Frobnitz, um, okay. Yes. So anytime there's a, there's Quill, an heir
1: to the Arch-Rike uh, Odd Bunsen throne.
0: <laughs> okay, so whenever Quill is trying to call someone and and wants to pretend to be someone else, the name he uses is Ronald Frobnitz. <laughs> he, he even at one point invents a Frobnitzian voice. It's <laughs> described as nasal... It's one of it, it, I there. I have to remember which book this is because that's one I need to get the audiobook for, because the audiobook author does such an amazing job with the Frobnitz voice. Oh, is there? Right? It's yeah. still I, I can still hear it in my head. It's yeah. so well done. That's his rusty shackle. this is
2: one of the things that I love about the the gentleman that is doing the audiobook.
0: Um, uh Guidel. George Wiggle. He does
2: a great job with the voices. He does. Yes. It's wonderful. And every just, single one. And just setting the tone and you know. It's just very cozy. It's yeah. good. good. And, and, well, wonderful. and
0: everything from, you know, he's got Laurie down pat with a busy buddy, So this is this, and this is this, yes. and this is this. He's got Quill with a much more lazy style drawl. And, and then you meet all the other characters, and they're all distinctive voices. It's fascinating and a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. So he's, he's delightful. Fantastic. Um, so quickly to finish up, we have our Cats Will Be Cats. <laughs> um, when we first arrive at the cottage, Coco decides to shred the June page of the calendar. That turns out to be prophetic. Um, June does not live to see the end of June, poor thing. Oh.
3: Um,
0: The other reason for possibly having um, earplugs in the cabin, we find out when Quill actually has to throw water on a cat fight. Oh, yes. Oh,
2: no. (laughs) In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, of course. Yeah.
0: Um, And then there's the meatloaf. I really should mention the meatloaf from Vacation Helpers. Um, The cats won't eat it. Quill does not understand. He thinks this is, meatloaf is terrific. He does not understand. Um, as a thank you for driving June away, he puts smoked oysters in it, but of course they eat the oysters and leave the meatloaf. <laughs> turns out the meatloaf is made with two parts beef and one part rabbit meat. Oh. And the cats don't like we, it.
1: Yes, as from the last book.
0: The cats don't particularly they care do not for like rabbit. rabbit. So Quill gets an all-beef loaf at the very end, just before the story ends, and they, of course... Gobble down the
2: whole it. two pounds. <laughs> they like, hey, just cats
0: will be cats. Yeah, he's getting like
2: a two-pound meatloaf delivered every other day for the cats. Like, well, you know, these cats eating.
0: But if you figure he's having it for his lunch, yeah. and then sharing it with the cats, so yeah. half of it goes to his lunch, and the, you know, I'm assuming two-pound meatloaf is. Uh, I'm holding my hands out to about a six inch uh, to about a six inch long and about a three inch deep loaf mm. is Let's, about is a two pound meat. I would also
1: like to point out something. Uh, you do not like meatloaf. I don't. So I love meatloaf. I love meatloaf yeah. too. It's great. <laughs> it's two against one. It's
0: exactly. no <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> no arguments there, and I, I realize that I'm an oddball for not liking. Well, it. Well, I'm just saying,
1: like the, the the size of it, it's a, it, like tends to be a little bit bigger, at least in my experience. Well,
0: remember, we're talking about a two-pound loaf because they also offer a four-pound loaf, and a four-pound <laughs> loaf would be what I would think of as a full-sized. Bread loaf tin meat loaf. Mm-hmm. That, would a, that would be that would be a four pound loaf. A two pound a, a two pound loaf would be about half that. It would be a smaller size. Right. So one of the mini tins.
1: A mini uh, a mini loaf. <laughs> mini meat loaf. Loaflet. A loaflet. A loaflet. <laughs>
0: a loaflet. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we let Fernie go, um, at the end of every book, I tend to give things a paw rating. Um, you know, cats, I, uh,
2: Well, I had heard a couple of the other podcasts. Cats have cats have so I actually paws. wrote down my own.
0: Excellent. Ooh. So what is your paw rating? My paw rating was two and a half paws. All right.
2: Interesting.
0: And actually, right. the, you agree with me totally on positive. So, wh- so what is your reasoning?
2: The um, well, like I said, I found this to be so colorful. I love the characters, um, and there's something fun. There's it, it's a double-sided coin for me because there's something really fun. What what uh, Lb LJB does is she she takes her time. Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna we're gonna stroll over here and talk to this person, and then I'm gonna think about. Meatloaf, And then we're going to play some dominoes. And then, oh, I'm going to talk to someone. We're going to get back to the mystery now. Uh, and there's something really fun about that. Like, it, we're not, a, I'm not in a hurry to finish no. this book.
1: It's enjoying the journey, not, we're not thinking about the destination. Yeah.
2: yeah. But then there are other times where I'm like, why are we telling this part of the story? <laughs> why is this even in here? I mean, the peep bug thing is interesting, but we never go back to it. Mm-hmm. Harriet's secret is interesting, but we never go back to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was something else. Uh, well, uh, well, and the the whole kind of wrap up to the mystery, yeah. mm-hmm. I found to be, it it didn't to me it didn't live up to the rest of the book. Yeah, it was like oh, I ha- I have to end the. I felt like she had to end the book in two pages, and she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we,
1: now, that's not the first time we've come it's across nuts. endings like that with the books. Is that right? Because there's been it's a couple a- other ones where it felt very rushed. And like yeah. you said, like, ah, i got to meet a deadline. Let's just say this happens, and, and that solves it. in some cases, it.
0: you know, she's been building up to what the big reveal is, and then it's clarified in the last couple of pages. But in this case, we, we don't find anything else out until afterwards. Um, as I said, I gave this book also two and a half pause oh. up. And Publishers Weekly, which they had a wonderful insult a few books back, so I keep going back to them to see what they say about this book. Oh, good. And they describe this one as meandering. Oh, well. And I really have to agree. Yes, it's, uh, absolutely. It's, it's not the tightest of her mysteries. The final reveal, as I put it, was a bit too pat, which mm-hmm. is exactly that. It's I have to finish this book in two pages, um, so here, here's the giant reveal.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, we still have Liz hanging around where we have no idea what's going on with her and what she's doing in, in Pickaxe, and Quill is just like, I don't know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. So we've, <laughs> we've dropped her off at the new Pickaxe Hotel, and that's the end of that. I'm assuming um, that'll
2: come up later. She,
0: yes. Okay. She actually plays a very big role later in the book. Oh, so, really? Um, yeah. Later Interesting. in the um, But I would like to say that it is nice... To have an ending in which Quill did not have to get anybody drunk or escape death to solve the crime. Because that's been the thing for the last couple of
2: oh, years. A-
1: <laughs> that's been his like <laughs> yeah. his, his signature move is well, let's get them really drunk and they'll spill their secrets. That's what it was for like two or three other books Oof. that we've read so no, far. Maybe and that not was. More.
0: let that me got, see here. That got
1: a little old. Yeah. So that was. Yeah,
0: you're right. That yeah. is very nice. Cardinal, uh, Moved a Mountain. Um, These are all the drunk things. The drunk themes, yeah. yep. Wow. Yeah, lived high at least. Well, she and goes it, back to that a lot,
2: doesn't she? <laughs> it's,
0: it, it, hey, if you got
1: a formula that works, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah and, but he's, it,
0: and he's done it several, uh, Cat Who Saw Red. Um, I'm thinking, yeah. It's, the Cat
1: yeah. Who Shakespeare was it too, new wasn't it? New Shakespeare too. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's his M.O it's yeah it's a tried and true formula so it's nice to see a diversion from that yeah. as well as also yes. one two where it doesn't And one end. that
0: unfortunately he will come back to because i remember yeah. specifically in later books that he does come back to I
2: that. mean, on, 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 in one sense it makes sense because it's him and mm-hmm. it's, and that's how i mean he's obviously thinking this sure. is going to work and it has worked for him before
0: yes exactly. and when the murders and, and when the murders and, the, and what he's trying to solve are more personal um mm. then it then it works because then he's actually meeting up with these people um,
2: that makes sense. In yeah. this
0: particular case, the murder is happening outside, which it doesn't usually. Usually, Quill is inherently involved in all of the okay, mysteries. I see. Mm-hmm. But in this case, he's trying to solve a murder from, from the outside, which, as is evidence, is not the easiest thing for him to do. He, he mm-hmm. needs to be in the midst of things.
2: Well, I think that's where you get the meandering quality exactly. of the book. Mm-hmm. My, my kind of final note was the the ending it, didn't live up to how fun the journey was. Exactly. Mm. Uh, we've had a couple of those, too. It was fun. It was, like, fun to meet these characters. Sure. And and just kind of, oh... See
0: XYZ fail. Yeah,
2: we're going to just kind of stroll through town and Mm -hmm. do our thing. But then it doesn't live up to all that setup. Exactly. That's a shame. Yeah, the ending... I felt like the ending should have been a bigger deal. I mean, the brother... We hardly even meet him. We mm-hmm. meet him
0: once. We meet him once. He's a jerk. Yeah. Um, he, he is definitely a jerk. But, you know, we don't get to see what his... We, we don't get to see him get his comeuppance. We don't get eh. to... We don't get the sense that anything really happens to, to the rich people.
1: Sure. No, that's a shame. Yeah. 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 It is. I will also say, just based on a couple of, like, from the, a few other books we've read as well, too, it's nice that it doesn't end with the person who's guilty or the suspect committing suicide. That is also
0: true.
1: That has been a, oh, a common theme, that That's too. another thing. Well, that happened to, wasn't this book, but it was Shakespeare when they were doing The Cat Who Knew Shakespeare, right? With the with Lady um, Macbeth? That
0: was the cat who wasn't there.
1: The cat who wasn't there, because Melinda Goodwinter mm-hmm. uh, drove a car into a wall. Yep. We there had, was a couple other books where someone... We had Penelope
0: Goodwinter commit yes! suicide for several books previously. Someone
1: died of a gunshot in their car. Yep.
0: Um, uh, yeah, lots of lots of suicide in this small little uh, town.
2: Every story has already been told. <laughs> I mean, this is all out of Agatha Christie too. Oh, right? absolutely. Appointment and with death. The murderer kills, uh, uh, mm. commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. How it's intri- like one thing that
1: I know we've talked about in other books as well too. I've said is. This one doesn't kind of live up to it, but a lot of other ones do. Where you know how it's going to end, or you know how it's going to be, because mm-hmm. it's either a story like a Christie, or you've already uh, seen this plot point. How it gets there—that's the fun part. Yeah. you're familiar with, you know what's going to end, but let's see how they get there. That's the fun part uh, of journey. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Like a Columbo. Yeah. Yes. Like you know who did it already. Oh yeah. Know? How he deduces it and how he figures it out, though—that's right. where all the fun comes. Which is. is what I love about
2: Dialing for Murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: You know. Oh yeah. yeah all the good mysteries like that. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Brittany, for taking the time to join us to talk about these books. Yes, thank you very much. Oh, I'm so glad.
2: I hope to come back.
0: We'd we love to have you. I will back. give you another. I will give you another book. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks.
2: And we
1: have our well, we have our offshoot uh, podcast to think about. Yeah, yes, book now,
0: title, uh, book covers, book, co- yes. book cover commentary, book cover commentary. <laughs> we'll we'll be coming to you from 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 Google Podcasts soon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe and like. That's right.
0: All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the Cat Who Did a Podcast. Join us next time for the Cat Who Blew the Whistle. Mm. I'm Susan Ramsdorf Terry.
1: I'm Luke Ramsdorf Terry. And until next time, happy sleuthing
0: and stay nosy, my friends i